Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. You are in for a treat today. If you love those conversations that kind of just go in different directions, they're just honest conversations about behind the scenes of business, what the struggles and challenges can look like. And even when someone has a successful business by lots of measures, the challenges that still come up for all of us. My guest is Steph Taylor. She's a digital product launch strategist, and she helps business owners who are tired of selling their services and want to scale with their first digital offer. So that means products, courses, memberships, that type of thing. Whether it's starting a podcast or selling a digital course, Steph helps her students to reach more people, grow their audience, and become the go-to in their industry. She's the host of the Socialette podcast, which has had almost 1 million downloads to date, and she's taught more than 100,000 entrepreneurs how to launch their own podcasts and digital products. Now, in her spare time, Steph sounds a lot like me. She says she enjoys adding new plants to her indoor jungle and making wine, peanut butter, like delicious, and coffee disappear. So without further ado, let's bring Steph Taylor onto the show. Hi, Steph. Hello. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I know. I know. I'm like, I've just seen you around for so long and like admired you from a distance. And Um, likewise. Ah, thanks, Steph. And now it's like, you know, this is going to be really fun just to chat with you and get to know you. And just before we hit record, I was like, hey, Steph, do you reckon that we can just talk about the bumps and the journey and the you know, mistakes and the, oh crap, I can't believe I did that on the way to get to your current like stage of business, which we all look at. And it's like, wow, Steph Taylor, that is amazing. And I I said to you like in, what are these called? Like um, quotation marks, quotation marks, like success, you know, successful business, because I know it probably never feels like you've made it or you've hit it or you're there, but from the outside, that's what everyone else sees. So I thought it'd be fun to chat about like the actual behind the scenes and what what it's taken to get you here. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat about it. And it's so funny you talk about the success as being the destination or like where you feel like you're fully there. I don't think we're ever going to feel like we're ever fully there. Yes. I thought a million dollar business was like my, that was like my end game. I was like, yep, I just want a million dollar lifestyle business. And then when I hit that, I was like, okay, cool. What's next? Yes. I guess like, how does that feel? And what have you had to really like reset your goals in terms of, well, what do I actually want? Cause I know for me, like hitting some of those goals and then it's like, oh crap, I should have like shot for bigger things. <laughs> Cause now I'm like, oh, what do I want now? I went through this last year because I used to be really good at setting goals. I used to set goals all the time. Yeah. And my goal for 2020 was 300,000 US dollar annual revenue. That was my goal. And my five-year goal was to have a million dollar business. I hit my five-year goal in one year and that just made me, I I had never felt so demotivated in my life because I realized like, okay, cool. I've hit my goal. What now? 
And it forced me to really evaluate what motivated me. I realized that it wasn't so much the money that was motivating me. The reason I'd been motivated by money was because I'd spent a couple of years in startup land with no money. And I really just wanted that money, wanted that money. And then as soon as I had the money, I realized that I craved other things. I craved the freedom to experiment with other ideas. Now I wanted to be able to help more people. I wanted to start to look at other things that I could do in my business that were beyond just making more money. Mm. That was a really roundabout answer of your question. Totally though. And like, what have you had to now do to kind of like address that looking at, okay, well, I've, I've achieved what I thought I wanted. Like what changes or what, how does business now look for you or where's it going? I'd love to hear and be super nosy about that. Yeah. So it's funny because instead of being driven now by my fear of running out of money, I'm driven by this vision that I have, which is to pursue lots of ideas and to basically have a fun adventure running my business. So how that looks practically is experimenting with new products, finally setting aside time to write the book that I want to write. You're writing a book. I started writing it last year. (laughs) I hit 20,000 words and then it kind of fell to the side. What are you writing on? This is the challenge because I started writing it and then realized I don't actually like what I'm writing about. So I was (laughs) writing it to be more of a mindset style book and I still Mm. want it to be a mindset style book Mm. around this topic of permission where we feel like we can't take action until somebody gives us that permission, particularly as women in business. I think we wait for somebody to say, yes, you're ready to launch that online course. Yes, you're ready to quit your job. Yes, you can start a business even though you don't have a degree in whatever you want to start it in. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for somebody else to tell us that. And this book that I had in mind was going to be basically like a permission slip for that. And I might still end up writing this one, but... I couldn't get past 20,000 words. I can relate with that, Steph. I can relate with that permission thing. Even like creating my online program, I was like, someone needs to come and tell me that I'm allowed to do that. But that it's so powerful. Like it really is probably one of the most powerful things for me to have realized that no one's going to come and tell you that you can now do something. It's totally like you can do anything. It's up to you. And the funny thing is you can sit and you can wait for somebody to tell you to do it or you can do it and then look around and you'll realize, oh, okay, nobody's trying to bring me down right now. Cool. Okay. Nobody's saying who is she to be doing that? Because that is the reality. Very few people are going to be saying like, who is Emily for launching an online course? Mm. Nobody's going to do that. And the people who do, well, we don't want their energy in our lives anyway. Yes, exactly. So what are you going to write your book about? Where are you going I don't with know. It now? Okay. <laughs> it's it's on the side, but uh, like it's 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 not really a thing at the moment. I actually just bought another business in the last week. Steph, can you tell us about this? I can't really okay. yet. Okay. You can come because, back on the podcast. And yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fixer offer. It's really <gasps> not in a state to be shared publicly okay, at the moment. Yeah. And I'm excited because this for me is, this is going to be like my weekend project, oh. which is ridiculous because it's still work, but it feels like a fun little experiment for me. Like, let me see if I can fix this thing that has potential, yes. but isn't working. Congratulations on buying a business. That is awesome. That's really cool. So like talk us through when you first started your business, I'd love to hear like, what was your vision then? What did your vision look like? What was it you were trying to achieve or you wanted back when you first started? So when I first started, I was trying to build a marketing agency. It was a couple of years ago and it was when agencies were really becoming quite cool. 
Yeah. And I thought that looks fun. I'd love to have an agency (laughs) in an office with a team around me. How fun would that be? And like, I loved doing the marketing work. I didn't realize that when you start an agency, you actually don't end up doing the work so much as managing people. I don't like managing people. Like managing people is just not my jam. I like to be in there doing the fun stuff. And I realized pretty quickly that I either had to scale by hiring a big team or I had to work more hours. And at the same time I went overseas, I spent a couple of months in Europe, then a couple of months in New Zealand then a couple of months in London. And it was really fun, except I was doing a lot of client calls at 3am and I was getting (laughs) clients calling me on Sunday nights for emergencies, like a sales page that was missing a full stop somewhere. So I was realizing like, oh, I like doing the work, but I don't love working with all clients. And that was when I started to launch a couple of digital products in my business. And that was the point where I realized, okay, I can start to slowly let go of my clients, fire my clients and pivot more into selling digital products. Mm. Now, at the time, these were digital products that were about anything and everything marketing. There there was an Instagram one, a Facebook ads one, an email marketing one. I was going to launch a Pinterest one. I was struggling because I had all of these people who were listening to my podcast, but nobody was wanting to buy my paid products. And I realized this was because they didn't know me as the go-to person for one thing. I was like the generalist marketer chick that they came to for the free podcast and the free advice. But then when it came to (laughs) buying, when it came to buying, they wanted to buy from the expert. So around the same time I sat down with a business coach and I told her, I was like, I want to launch all of these courses, but I don't what my thing is. And she said to me, she's like, well, clearly your thing's launching. Mm. Nobody else likes launching, but you love it. And that was the light bulb moment for me. So it's kind of taken, it's been a really roundabout way to get to where my business is now. It's been nearly two years now since I fully niched down into launching. I call it launch marketing. Basically I teach people how to launch and market their digital Mm. products and sell them. Mm. That's been the roundabout journey. There has been a lot of tears along the way. When have those tears come up? For what reasons? Like, what have you been through to get here? Because it's not easy to claim a space and say, this is what I'm going to specialize in, to change a business, to look at, oh, crap, that's not working like I thought it would. What have been some of those moments for you? Because I've been on the fetal position. I'm like, if you haven't been in the fetal position on the floor, then like, are you really a business owner? (laughs) The floor, the couch, the bed um, with a glass of wine. (laughs) Yes. So I think probably the lowest of the low points was right before I niched down. I launched Mm -hmm. my course about Instagram marketing and I had 700 people registered for the webinar and it crashed. Like it wouldn't even go live. And I just panicked because I had no cash in the bank. I'd invested all the money I had into Facebook ads, getting people to register for my webinar and the webinar didn't work. And I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make any money? Let me just go back to a job. And I actually started applying for jobs that afternoon. It was, Mm. it was bad. But the plus side of that was that it made me realize, okay, I'm going to give this one more shot. And if I'm going to give this business thing one more shot, let me niche down. Let me become known as the go-to person Mm. for the one thing. If that doesn't work, that's cool. I'll go get a job. But yeah, yeah, it took, it took applying for jobs, actually getting called up for an interview and then realizing I don't actually want a job. It took that for me to realize that I still wanted to stay in business. And how long then did it take for you to, I guess, launch the next thing that was your specialty? Did that take long? What did you do from that moment when you're like, crap, okay, 
it's either I get a job or I make this work. What did you do? So from that moment, that was when I changed all of my messaging. I stopped being the generalist marketer chick. I retired all of my courses, which was terrifying mm-hmm. because that was my only source of income. I had no clients at that point. Yeah. I'd fired them all. I couldn't exactly be like, <laughs> hey, I've changed my mind. Want to come work with me again? I couldn't do that. So I had a few months there of like, oh, I literally am living off my savings. And I think it was about four months between that point. And then when I launched my next thing, I was really, I was feeling really gun shy because I thought my last launch didn't work out. I'm really scared that this next one's not going to work out. I've now niched into launching and imagine if I have two failed launches in a row, like one, because of tech, I can understand and people can understand and empathize with that. Everyone's had some kind of tech glitch, but imagine if I have another failed launch, that one ended up, it wasn't a failed launch. It was for a podcasting group program. So a group program to teach people how to launch a podcast to my email list Mm -hmm. and two people bought and I needed 10 to go ahead with it. So I could have given up at that point. I could have given up and said that this is worthless. I'm just going to go get a job. But what I did was actually reached out to people in my audience and I said, you've told me you want to learn how to launch a podcast. Why are you not interested? And what they came back to me and said was, were things like, we don't want to learn in a group program format. We don't want it to take eight weeks. We want to do it in six months or we want to do it in four weeks. Some of us are about to go into school holidays, which means we're going to have our kids at home. We can't commit to showing up live. We want to do it at our own pace. And from that, I pivoted and I ended up creating a Mm self-paced product, which teaches people how to launch a podcast. And that first launch was maybe only about two and a half thousand dollars. But then I launched it again. I launched it again. And in 12 months, I brought in 850,000 just because I kept on relaunching it, evergreened it, scaled it. And let's just say congratulations, Steph. Like that is amazing. And also like not having an ego, I think as well to be like, okay, cool. Like two people bought, let me actually ask my audience why they didn't buy. It really does take like kind of just not having an ego. (laughs) I think it was a couple of days of, oh, okay, this sucks. Why are people not buying from me? It took a few days of sitting in that before I could step back and be like, okay, what can I do to rescue this situation? Because right now I have two choices. It's go back to a job or it's fix this. And you know, that's what I say to my students as well. And I love that this is just such an amazing example. Like the first launch is just the first launch and it really doesn't correlate to the future success that you have. And you've just shown us this, Steph, like the first launch, okay, two people within a year because you kept going and because you kept launching and learning and trying things and being bolder and braver perhaps as well, you you generated almost a million dollars, which is just ridiculous and amazing. So thank you for just being an example of like sticking it out. And keeping going. And and this is the thing. I see so many people who come to me and they're like, I had a failed launch. I only made $5,000. And I'm like, that is amazing. You made $5,000. People yeah. were willing to invest in you to that point. What's going to happen now if you launch that again and yes. again and again? Like, yeah, you could go and create the next product. You could think that this one's a failure and go and create the next product. But you're going to end up with all of these products that you've launched once and never really tapped into the full potential of them. It's only really once we double down and we keep relaunching it, we learn from it, we learn this is why people aren't buying, this is what they really want, this is how we can best teach them. That's how we refine our launches, we refine our products and we end up helping way more people that way. Yeah. You're a guest expert upcoming in my membership, the Modern Marketing Collective. So we're going to do a session in there around launch strategies. 
But I wonder if you want to share like a, maybe a couple of things that you're seeing that are working well right now. Is there anything that you're like, hey, if you're going to be doing a launch, these are a couple of things I'd be trying out at the minute. Is there anything that comes to mind? It's funny. So I'm anti-tactics. I'm oh. like, yeah, you can you can implement all the tactics you want in your launch. But if you don't have a solid strategy underpinning those tactics, yeah. all of the best Instagram reels in the world are not going to give you a successful mm. launch if you don't have a solid strategy and messaging and you're communicating the product in a way that people want it. Mm. So I'm kind of like the, the anti-tactics person. But having said that, I'm seeing a lot of opportunity for organic audience growth in different ways to mm -hmm. how we've done it in the past. Obviously, with a lot of the Facebook ads changes, I'm not encouraging people to use Facebook ads the first couple of times that they launch until they've proven that their launch yeah. is profitable. I prefer people to grow their audience organically. So what I've been really doubling down on is teaching people, okay, who can you collaborate with? collaborations mm. are such a great way to get in front of other audiences. Whose groups can you teach to? Like whose podcasts can you get on? Whose blogs can you write guest posts for? Yeah. How can you get in front of other people's audiences and deliver value to those people without having to rely on things like Facebook ads or any other paid mm. traffic? Yeah, I love it. Like any type of business, I really think like you've got to approve the concept first, don't you? You've got to have those first customers before you can then actually put the money into then you know what works you know who you're trying to reach you know the message and then you can you can use the ads to scale yeah it's cool it's funny because so many people will sit on an idea or sit on a product yeah. and they won't launch it because they're waiting to have the right amount of research you just got to get it out because then you'll learn you'll then know if people want it yeah like yeah great do those things yeah. survey your audience talk to them but you're never going to have the full amount of research until you actually ask them to pay money yeah. for it i remember an example from years ago, there was, I think it was Shell. It was one of the petrol companies and they asked ah. people, would you be willing to pay more for an eco-friendly petrol? And everyone said, yes, 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 yes. They brought it out. Guess what happened? People still kept paying for their mm. 91 unleaded ethanol cheap, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> that one, yeah. because they were thinking like, oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. But yes, yeah. I would love to pay for it. They like the idea, but not willing to actually put the money down. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best research you can get. Mm. Do you have like, cause I know I've got all these blocks and mindset things that I'm constantly working on boundaries, self-belief, all these things. Are there ones that you found over your like business adventures that, that continuously kind of you're like, Oh, there it is again. I need to keep working on that. Yes. <laughs> so a big one that has been in the background for the last couple of years, but has only just popped up in the last few weeks, or it's, yeah. I've only just become conscious of in the last few weeks yeah. is I don't have any value to offer people. That's a really big one that's come up yeah. and it's crazy because it's been holding me back. So it yeah. stops me from pitching podcasts. It stops me from pitching the media. It really keeps me in that imposter syndrome state. But then yeah. also it shows up when I'm teaching my students in my course, I try to over deliver. I try to teach them too much because I'm worried they're not going to get the value. Are we the same person, Steph? I'm like, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> we all have the same ones, right? None of us feel good enough. We're all comparing ourselves to everyone else who seems better than us. Yeah. We're all trying to self-sabotage ourselves back into our comfort zone. <laughs> I spent the whole of 2020 in self-sabotage because I was so comfortable yeah. being in this identity of the struggling business owner. Yeah. I was so comfortable being broke and working really long hours yeah. trying to keep my business afloat mm -hmm. that when my business started being successful, I did everything I could to try and self-sabotage and be back in that comfort zone because yeah. that next level felt really uncomfortable. Mm. 
what are you doing to work on that? And do you know like where that comes from or have there been instances that you've let yourself believe that weren't true around your value? Like what are your thoughts around that? I suspect that it comes from probably like my corporate days where I was Mm. the young kid who kept having ideas, but I kept having her ideas shut down. Yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar to me, actually. I didn't want to speak up in meetings because I felt like, oh, there's, I can't add anything here. Like, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. Everyone else at the table is smarter than me. Probably something like that, maybe even before then. Yeah. In terms of what I'm doing to work on them. So I've been working with a coach for the last year and she has been fantastic. So she's been yeah. really good at calling me out. Whenever these beliefs are showing up, she calls me out on yeah. them. She gets me to go through a process where I identify what the belief is. Mm. I identify how that's playing out in a pattern in my life. So for example, the, I don't have any value to offer one. I will often write pitches to the media and then not send them or I'll send them and then I'll never follow them up. So Mm. that's my old pattern. And being aware of when I'm doing that, when I'm writing those pitches and not sending them, that allows me to start to break them because I can then sit with the feelings that pop up when I'm procrastinating sending that pitch and I can sit with the feelings. I can shift that emotion around it by doing things like breath work. I love doing float tanks. I try and do a couple of months. Oh, I've done one of them. It was pretty good. And then I got out, I'm like, oh, I'm all crusty with like the salt. I'm like, I think this is not quite for me, but I kind of like it. I'm not sure. (laughs) I reckon you need to give it about three. There's a okay. reason why they all have three intro packs of three floats. Okay. The first two are really awkward and you're like floating yeah. around. Sometimes you're banging off the sides. <laughs> your head feels really weird. You can't figure out like how to carry your head. So yeah. give it a couple of sessions. It's okay. really good for problem solving. Uh-huh. If I'm feeling triggered by something and somehow I always end up getting triggered by something the day that I have a float booked in. I don't know why, wow. but it just happens. It's like the universe yeah. being like, here's a trigger for you to work on. <laughs> you wanted to relax in that float tank. Guess what? You're not relaxing. You're going to work through yeah. it because it's literally like an hour of meditation. It's just you and your thoughts yeah. and nothing else to distract you for an hour, which is. It's funny. Like I used to get fake eyelashes and then COVID happened and I couldn't, but lying there, cause it used to be like 90 minutes, an hour to 90 minutes. And I remember lying there and it's like, you can't move. I can't go busy myself. It's like, you had to be there with your thoughts. I guess you think through stuff or you, you go into a bit of relaxation and dream away. But um, yeah, it's that, it's like, cause I think when I get uncomfortable, then it's like, okay, now I'm just going to go like, go do something or, or keep busy. So I don't face it. Yeah. Let me just check Instagram. I'm going to send this pitch to the media, but oh, let me just reply to these five emails that are sitting in my inbox first. You know, there's always going to be that stuff that feels so much more comfortable than doing the Mm. thing that's uncomfortable and sitting with the uncomfortable emotions. So working with a coach has really helped me to feel comfortable in those uncomfortable emotions again, because I was the queen of just blocking them out and being like, I don't feel anything. I feel fine. Yeah. And have you been able to recognize what your value is when you're like, hey, I'm going to do this pitch and this is what I have to offer? Like, are you clear around that? I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm working on it. Like I I, logically, I know I have so much value to deliver, but it's that still that subconscious belief that's popping Mm. up. We already identified this belief a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's fresh. It's fresh. Oh, yeah. But I know so many people, like I can relate and I know so many other people too. And they're probably like, what the hell is she? Like, is she mad? This is, how does she even think that? So yeah, I admire you for sharing that. 
what are you working on now? I know that you've just bought a business. Tell us about what you offer so everyone can be like, I want more stuff in my life. What do you do? What's coming up? And also I'm still going to this amazing girls weekend. A few of us are just like, let's meet each other in person. I know you can't come because you're doing something very, very cool. So tell us about that as well. Yes. So I'm trying to think which cool thing it is that I'm doing that weekend. Is it the silent walk or something? Oh, no, no, no. I'm doing a 14 day hike. I'm doing a 14 day hike through the outback, which is going to be incredibly exciting by myself, which will be kind of scary with just a backpack and a tent on my back. But I did a five day one a couple of months ago and it was great because it was this really good reminder of even if everything fails, if my business collapses, if I have nothing, you've got everything you need. We don't need all this fancy stuff that we think we need, which is kind of cool. So it was really good for that. And also just for disconnecting. And I'm really excited to have two weeks completely disconnected. Imagine. In the middle of just in nature. That'll be nice. In terms of what's coming up for my business. So I run a course twice a year called Launch Magic. I teach it live. And that is teaching people how to launch their digital products into the world. It's not the how to create your digital product. It's how to actually get people to buy your digital product when you open doors. I love the name and the whole branding stuff. It's so good. Yeah. Emma, Emma, my designer did an amazing job with the branding. You know, like a lot of people think that creating and launching a digital product is the same thing. And they think that as long as they create it and get it out there, people are going to buy it. And that doesn't happen a lot of the time. So we work on, you know, what are you doing in that 60 to 90 days before you open doors to that? So that's coming up in the second half of this year. And I'm also creating another course at the moment, which will be fun for people who are like I was five years ago in a corporate job, good at something, but not really sure how to turn that something into a business or product. So that'll be, that'll be coming up next year for me. So good. So needed as well. Do you have a name for that or not yet? It's still a very broad concept at the moment, but I think so many people in those jobs, they think it's, they have to start a whole business and they start looking for ideas for a business when they don't actually need to launch a whole business. They can launch a product. Mm. Yeah. And then that it can grow from there. So. Oh, it's so good stuff. And also your podcast and Instagram, where can people find you? Yes. So my podcast is called Socialette. It's a bite-sized podcast with launching lessons that yes. you can find at stephtaylor.co forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at stephtaylor.co. And my website is also stephtaylor.co. Brilliant. Steph, thank you so much for joining me. I've loved uh, just being super nosy and for you being open to it. Oh, thank you <laughs> for chatting. having me. This has been great. Thank you for listening to the Emily Osmond Show brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.